0: Hi, and welcome to my podcast, Jack to the Future. From science and inventions to pollution and recycling, I talk about what's changing in the world, the future, and how we can help with that. Every month, I talk about a different future theme. For example, the future of science, tech, sustainability, reading, music, and all sorts of other ones. The future of everything. Did you know... You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Jade to the Future and on YouTube as jack to the Future. Follow me to get behind the scenes info, access to the previews about my next episodes, and much, much more. This week we're talking about the future of comedy. I talked to James Campbell, a children's author and comedian, but as you'll find out, he's also passionate about the environment and making some massive changes to reduce his carbon footprint and help him to live sustainably. Funny and Future Thinking, my perfect guest. As well as talking about why some jokes are funny and why some aren't, different types of comedy, how technology may be affecting entertainment, how COVID has affected comedians and their audiences, and of course, what the future may hold for comedy. We also talk about the environment and what we could do to help. And James talks about his current project. We have a cracker in store for you today. I usually talk about various bits of research I've done for this episode. But James and I had such a great conversation that there isn't really time for that. I did read some articles with Mum, which is how I came up with the questions for James. And Mum will put them in the podcast description if you want to take a look. (laughs) Now, before I start this week's episode, I have some podcast pals whose specialism is all things funny. So I thought I would mention them as I highly recommend you check them out. It's called the Whoopi Chicken Podcast Show. Yes, you heard me right. It's suitable for children and adults with lots of fun, music, science and jokes, and even better than that, it's a dad and his daughter that run it. How great is that? Here they are telling their favourite joke and to fill you in all about themselves. This is a message from the future Hey, this is Athena and Daddy From the Whoopi Chicken Podcast Show And we're on Jack to the Future hey, da, 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 hey, Daddy Yeah, what is it, Athena? I can see into the future You can see into the future? Wait a second, when did that start? Next Tuesday Next Tuesday! <laughs> hey, now what? Hey, Daddy yeah, What is it, Athena? Check us out on the Whoopi Chicken Podcast Show At whoopychicken.com.
1: It's the Whoopi Chicken Podcast, Whoopi Chicken Podcast, Whoopi Chicken
0: Podcast Show. Right. Yeah. I like it. Thanks, guys. Remember, we'll put a link in the description to the Whoopi Chicken Podcast website. Comedy has been around as far back as the 5th century BC really really long time ago. In the ancient Egyptian times comedy was a very important part of life and culture. There was also a lot of gore, so at least it cheered them up. (laughs) There were people who performed stand-up comedy for money in front of Pharaoh Ptolemy. Apparently the king laughed so hard he nearly died. Yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. He laughed so hard he nearly died. Wow. With it being so old, and I think people always want to be entertained, but what people find funny will change, depending on what's around at the time. there be stuff like popular TV programmes, music, stuff like that. To find it funny, you have to be familiar with that topic and have some sort of connection to it. For example, I'm not that keen on football, so I'm probably unlikely to find jokes about football that funny, because I might not actually understand it. I think it might be the harder to actually make people laugh in the future because there's so much entertainment that we can access at the click of a button. So we may actually run out of funny things to watch or listen to, maybe, but just doing it manually and making jokes and things might disappear. What do you think the future of comedy will be? I'd like to welcome my special guest today, James Campbell. I won't say too much about his job because that's my first question. But I will say, just take a look at his YouTube channel and you'll see he's very funny. Thanks for being here, James.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Jack. It's a privilege.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you tell my listeners what your job is?
1: Yeah, well, I've got lots of jobs, really. It all sort of wraps into one, but I'll tell you. So I'm a writer and I'm an author. I don't know what the difference is between a writer and an author, but I'm both. Who cares? I'm also a storyteller. And a comedian. But not a chameleon. People do get confused sometimes. I don't change colour.
0: No. <laughs>
1: and uh, I write plays and I'm a lollipop lady. Those those, those are my basic. Uh, <laughs> basic.
0: Sorry, I don't mean to be sexist or anything. Yeah. Why are you called a lollipop lo- lady if you're a man?
1: Well, uh, I think these days you can be whatever you like. And also, they were only advertising for lollipop ladies. And it's the same outfit, it's just different underwear. It's fine. Mm. Do you have a lollipop lady at your school, Jack?
0: We used to. Um, but...
1: Mm. I hear this all the time because one of the parts of my job, Jack, is I travel around primary schools and I've noticed lots of things have changed. Lots of things have stayed the same. What stayed the same? Pencils, they're the same. Nobody's changed pencils in 27 years. Recorders, they're exactly the same. They're terrible. Do you play the recorder, Jack?
0: Uh, no, because it's...
1: No, good. Well done. Keep it that way. It sounds awful. Um, and uh, what else is the same? Sitting on your bottom. That's exactly the same as it was when I was little. I had to sit on my bottom as well. Very strange thing to say that, sitting on your bottom, isn't it? Because you can't sit on anything else. I mean, I'm sitting on a chair, but I'm still on my bottom. So I thought maybe she meant sit on your bottom. So I tried <laughs> sitting on somebody else's bottom and then that that did not go well. At, <laughs> that, was, that was a bad week. <laughs> Uh, But anyway, so what what has changed, however, is lollipop ladies. There used to be millions of them, and um, and now there are hardly any. So I think they're like an endangered species. Apparently, because I get the figures sent to me every month, because I'm a member of the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to lollipop ladies, apparently now there are more snow leopards in the Himalayas than there are lollipop ladies in Britain. Isn't that terrible?
0: Imagine if that was actually true.
1: (laughs) So you used to have a lollipop lady. What happened to your lollipop lady, Jack?
0: A uh,
1: endangered species. <laughs> hmm. So did they replace her with anything? Is there now like a pedestrian crossing or like beep, 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 beep or a zebra crossing or a speed bump or anything They're like that?
0: They're basically like just
1: it? traffic lights. Uh, okay, yeah, they put the traffic lights in. Yeah, yeah. Often lollipop ladies get replaced with speed bumps, which is quite fun, because the legends, the lollipop legends, which is the name of a book I can't be bothered to write, They say that when a lollipop lady dies, she gets buried under a speed bump. And that way she can still slow the traffic down and protect the children, even from beyond the grave. That's job commitment, isn't it? Yeah. They also say that at certain times of the year, like full moons and Halloween, in the middle of the night, around midnight, the speed bumps open up and the lollipop ladies rise again and walk the land like luminous zombies. But I don't know just making it out.
0: You should definitely write that book. I a good book.
1: <laughs> yeah I've never actually been a proper lollipop lady but I would like to be. I think it looks great job.
0: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what does stand-up comedy mean? Do you get sitting and lying down comedy too?
1: Yeah you do and jumping on one leg comedy are very important. Yeah I don't know why stand-up comedy is called stand-up comedy even though it's one of the things I do. I'm not an expert, but yeah, I think it's along the lines of you're just standing up doing it. I don't think it's about how you stand because obviously some people sit down and do it. When I was your age, Jack, one of my favourite comedians was Dave Allen. I'm sure you'll find him on YouTube. You might want to check the age rating first.
0: I haven't heard of him. I'll take a look.
1: Most of his shows, he was sitting down in a chair telling stories. So was that sit-down comedy? Like In the 1980s, there was comedians like Lexi Sale and Ben Elton who started doing this new, different kind of comedy where they weren't doing stuff that have been written for them, because lots of the stuff on the telly has writers. But these people like, no, this is my stuff that I've made up. And I'm going to do it live on a stage and going to be me just standing up with a microphone. And the great thing about that sort of comedy, they called it alternative comedy at the time. Now alternative comedy, I suppose, has become mainstream comedy. But at the time, the great and still the great thing about comedy is if something happens in the news, whether it be politics, or climate change, or anything at all. The newspapers, they can write about it and it will go in tomorrow's newspaper and that's fine. But if you want to really put some thoughtful stuff into it and you want to write a book, it's going to be a year before that book gets published, isn't it? Or if you want to make a TV programme about it, it's going to be a couple of months before you can make that TV programme, really. But with stand-up comedy, it can happen now, and then straight away, you can be on stage and you can do your thing. So it's, it's really now stand up comedy. That's one of the things I like about it. So at the moment, there's a lot of Boris Johnson getting into my stories and lots of climate change stuff as well. I think that's what stand up comedy is. It's, it's one person talking from their own point of view about how they see the world in a funny way and often getting away with making people think when they're not noticing.
0: Uh huh. I see. Yeah. Does yeah. that
1: make sense? Yeah.
0: hmm Yeah. That's clever, isn't it? Because you're a comedian, does that mean you're funny all the time?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. No, I think I'd get quite wearing if I was funny all the time. And also, my children wouldn't take me seriously, would they? But I do try and have a lightness to life, definitely. Um, but yeah, you can't be funny all the time, otherwise you'd explode.
0: Yeah, as you said, none of your children would actually take you seriously so mm. sometimes my dad does reverse psychology which doesn't oh. really work on my two-year-old sister because she just thinks she can do that thing
1: what do you mean by reverse psychology
0: like if she does something naughty and then dad says do it and then she says okay and then she just does mm. the thing but it's it's supposed mm. to work that the opposite it way because then the children know that they shouldn't do that when they actually say
1: yeah Yeah, I can see what you mean. Well, I'm sure your dad appreciates you critiquing his parenting style. That's excellent. Keep doing that.
0: My favourite joke is a bit rude, but it's okay to say, I think. Um, Can I tell you it?
1: Yeah, go on. Let's risk it. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs)
0: Knock, knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe who? No, Europe who? Ah, oh, fantastic.
1: I said you're a poo. That's marvellous. Yeah, I quite like that. I don't think that's too rude at all. I don't think something that you do every day can be that rude, really, can it? Surely. So, yeah. When did poo become rude? I mean, farting, that's rude, definitely. It depends where you do it. If you do it, like, with the Queen, that's very, very rude. But on your own, it's fine. Never do it in a space suit, though. That's a disaster. You <laughs> can't escape. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, what's your favourite joke?
1: Oh, good question. I mean, you could say that I don't really do jokes. I just tell funny stories and say funny things. My favourite joke, which isn't mine, which is like a question and answer joke, is what's orange and invisible? And the answer is this carrot. That's that's
0: an unusual
1: one. Yeah, I like that one. I also like what's red and sits in the corner, a naughty bus.
0: (laughs) I think you're making these up now.
1: That's quite And what's green, and if it falls on your head, it'll kill you. It's a golf course, obviously.
0: The extreme.
1: So, yeah, those are some of my favourite jokes, but they're not my jokes. I didn't make them up. I just heard them. Although I think, actually, the closest I've got to a proper joke is, do sausage dogs eat sausages, or do they just look at the sausage and go, I'm not eating that. It looks like my nan. Because that's kind of a question, isn't it? But it's not like a joke form. But it's quite short and snappy. So yeah, I think I think that's my favourite joke of mine.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have a massive few hundred pages, a book of knock knock jokes. Most of yeah. them are rubbish. Uh, some of them are good. Mm. And they're great, but most of them are rubbish because...
1: I mean, they're all the same jokes just going round and round in circles. But it's important. I remember going through a phase of having joke books and people buying me joke books. And I would sit and memorise these jokes most of the time trying to work out why they were funny or what I didn't understand them. So I think that's quite useful in terms of learning how jokes work when i was little i lived with my grandparents for a while and they ran a restaurant and after everybody had eaten their dinner on a sunday lunch then we would all have our sunday lunch and my grandpa would tell jokes and my uncles would tell jokes but they were always and when i'm performing i find it a lot easier if it's all part of one big story because that way i can remember what's going on there are some comedians whose entire show is like joke joke and they're all separate and different from each other and there's no sort of connection i don't know how they learn it all like that it's amazing really everybody does things in different ways don't they
0: yeah yeah to memorize it all must be mm. really hard yes my grandad likes tin vine and his jokes like that aren't they like for example he says velcro what a off. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> if you make up your own jokes, which I've done before, I sometimes get them mixed up and then you have to work mm. actually making the joke because sometimes it doesn't really make sense, but you know what it means, but the other person you're yeah. telling it to doesn't understand it and then they just don't really think it's funny.
1: If I were you, I'd just concentrate on just being funny and saying funny things Mm. because the funniest things the ones that people really laugh at the most are whatever it is you're talking about aren't they that you've just made up on the spot and that's funny i think that's funnier than a joke
0: yeah sometimes real life things are funnier Uh, we watched the funny (laughs) banana song on youtube from your book from the funny lives of sharks yes Um. yeah with your children my sister wanted to play it over and over again i haven't read the book yet but what bananas got to do with sharks? So is that a really much good question?
1: That? Well, first of all, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm glad your sister wants to watch it again and again and again. That's great. So in the funny life of sharks, which I wrote a couple of years ago, I had to talk about, obviously, there is a song, isn't there, called Baby Shark, which did quite well. So I felt I had to mention that song. And obviously, it's quite famous as being one of the most annoying songs in the world. Yeah, that's why I hate yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody I love it or hate it. And so you love it while you're a small child and then you hate it. And so I, I wrote a list of other really famous, annoying, annoying songs. So there's uh, I know a song that will get on your nerves.
0: <laughs> I know a song that will get on your nerves, get on your nerves.
1: That's as well. There's the um, there's the frog song whether well, the crazy frog song.
0: Ding, 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 ding.
1: That's on that list as well. And then I just made a few up. Uh, and, and I said, The Angry Banana Song, and as I wrote it, I thought, oh, yeah, this would be great because uh, there is no Angry Banana Song, but I'll make an Angry Banana Song. And the book, The Funny Life of Sharks, came out. It was published in either May or June of 2020, which, of course, you know, the whole world was in lockdown then. So normally when a new book comes out, I'm going around schools. I'm talking about it. I'm doing events. I'm doing festivals. People are buying the book. People are getting excited about the book. In lockdown, I couldn't do any of that. So I did a Facebook launch, which lots of people came to, which was great. And so I decided that I need to do something to help promote the book. And so I thought, I know I'll write that song and we'll, we'll make it. So I made it up. And then my brother is a very talented musician. And so I sang it down the phone to him, and he went, "Okay, I can do that." And then he put all the music together, and then I did the the vocals, the 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 song. And then I filmed some stuff in the garden with my children and myself. And then my brother edited that all together and put the music on top and made the video. And I love it. I, I really like the Angry Banana Song. I haven't watched it for ages, actually. I should probably have, a, have another look. And maybe we should make some more songs, too.
0: I think you should do more songs. They're funny and catchy. I'll put the link to the Angry Banana Song video and a link to where you can buy James's book in the podcast description.
1: But that's the story behind that. And that's what bananas have got to do with sharks, nothing. But there are lots of bananas in my book. So The Funny Life of Teachers, for example, talks about always having an emergency banana on you. You should always have an emergency banana. Whenever I visit schools, I always carry an emergency banana. There's lots of emergencies that a banana can help you with. The main one is you're hungry and you want a banana. That's mainly what I use them for. But you can also use them as makeshift telephones. And if you're being chased by a baddie, then you can open the banana, eat the banana, throw the skin behind you, and hopefully the baddie will slip on the banana skin. <laughs> In my Boyface books, if you look at the cover of one of my Boyface books, yeah. you'll notice that the the C of Boyface is a magnet and there's a banana on the top. And then if you very slowly and carefully turn the book upside down, you'll notice that the banana doesn't fall off which demonstrates that it is a magnetic banana.
0: <laughs> I know you're joking, but seriously, I've definitely seen something on YouTube. I think it's something to do with all the fibres inside the banana, but if you put banana on the magnet, um, it sticks. But then that's probably not real either. I tried to do it with the fruit before. I've got a magnet, but the fruit on it, it didn't really work. And then mm. I tried with a banana, and for a second, it just hung on top of the magnet. So
1: Okay, well there you go then. Maybe all maybe all bananas are magnetic. Maybe I'm onto something accidentally. Yeah, thanks for the input. It's good. <laughs>
0: I'll put the link in the description. See what you think, listeners. How many books have you actually written so far?
1: It's a great question. Okay, so there's four boy Facebook. There's a book I wrote years ago which was rubbish, so we don't talk about it. That's five. Then there's The Funny Life of Pets, The Funny Life of Teachers, that's seven, Funny Life of Sharks, eight write your own funny stories nine and then in September my new book comes out it's called the funny life of football I've written that that's done so that's 10 so 10 is the answer to your question does that sound a lot or does that sound like I'm not really trying
0: um in the middle I'd say
1: in the middle there thanks for helping yeah i mean if you if you interview somebody like i don't know michael moore pergo he'd be like oh yes i've, I've written uh, one hundred and fifty thousand books so blah, blah 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 but he's really annoying so um you know it's fine
0: yeah um have
1: i written more books than jk rowling how many has she written how many harry potter books are there uh... seven mm, i think it'll
0: then... be like eight Eight films, but there were seven books.
1: There you go. So I've written more books than J.K. Rowling then. So that's that's that sorted. Before she got famous, she used to insist on parking her van outside my house. It was really annoying. Couldn't get any sunlight. She was doing it deliberately just to annoy me. (sighs) Cressida Cowell, she used to park in my parking space just to wind me up. They're all at it. But Michael Morpurgo, he's the worst. Sometimes he comes around to my house in the middle of the night, like three o'clock in the morning. Stands in the back garden, throws stones at the bedroom window. My other half, she's like, like jabs me in the ribs and goes, James, there's somebody in the garden. like, who, what? And and I open up the curtain. There's Michael Morpurgo standing there in the moonlight in his red trousers and nothing else, ginger chest hair glinting away. And I'm like, what do you want, Michael? What's your problem? And he goes, I've written more books than you. I've written blah, 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 blah. And then he just melts away into the shrubbery from where he came. It's terrifying
0: I don't really know what to say to that to be honest it's such a mad story it might actually be true I <laughs> think 10 is a great amount of books very impressive I could buy my teacher the secret life of teacher's book sometimes some of the books they're a bit inappropriate sort of funny but not actually yeah just some of the time they might get might get told off for do, for putting such a silly thing.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely on the money there, Jack. Uh, It says at the beginning of The Funny Life of Teachers, do not let teachers read this book.
0: Okay, definitely not then.
1: If if you see a teacher with my book, then get it off them immediately. The best thing to do is to distract them by saying something like, oh, look, biscuits. And then while they're looking for the biscuits, rugby tackle them, wrestle them to the ground, get the book off of them, and then just leg it. Run as fast as you can, find a shed, bury the book under the shed, Fill the shed with TNT and then explode the shed. It's the only rational thing to do. So, yeah, don't get it for your teachers. Terrible idea.
0: Yeah, I find that when we tell each other jokes at school, nobody really properly laughs. They just kind of fake laugh. Do you think that because of technology and on-demand entertainment like YouTube and Netflix, that children and adults are harder to entertain nowadays?
1: Uh, that's a good question. There's a lot in that question. OK, so first of all, you're telling jokes at school and you don't think people are laughing properly. Uh, It's probably because you're telling jokes, because like we talked about earlier, jokes generally aren't very funny, are they? What's funny is being on the spot and coming up with something funny. Yeah, that's what um, I do most of the time to
0: my friends, and they do laugh then.
1: I know your podcast is all about the future, isn't it? Maybe the future of comedy is the death of jokes. Maybe jokes need to stop. What do you think?
0: Yeah, probably. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, just be confined to Christmas crackers. And apart from that, you're not allowed to tell them. Hmm, it could work. But your other question was, are children more difficult to entertain because of things like Netflix and YouTube and all the rest of it? I don't find children more difficult to entertain. I think children are more grateful for proper entertainment live on stage because obviously, you know, films and YouTube and the rest of it are great and computer games are, you know, very entertaining. But I don't think they've got as much depth to them. When you're in a room with loads of other people all laughing at the same thing there's something really important that happens i'm not sure what that important thing is but if you think about well why do people laugh okay because i don't think other animals laugh maybe monkeys laugh hyenas I mean, yeah i don't think and it sounds like you're absolutely right this sounds like a laugh but i don't think they're actually going oh my goodness that's funny i think it's just that they their call cool. Sounds like a bit like a laugh, yeah. But generally speaking, it's a human thing, laughing. And the reason we do laughing is to show each other that we get the joke. We do it to show each other that we're part of the group. So when you're in a theatre or a comedy club or a festival audience or a school and something funny is happening, you all laugh out loud. Whereas if you're sitting on your own with your headphones on and you're the only person watching a funny YouTube video you don't tend to laugh out loud because there's nobody else around to see you laughing. So you don't really bother. So I think the two things are different. And I think going to the theatre, going seeing live stuff with other people is a really important thing to do. So I think people will always want to do that. And obviously, when you go out to the theatre and you go out and see live stuff, you're not only doing something really, really good for you, you're doing something important and you're saying, I'm not just going to sit here and watch these Netflix films that you're pumping into my brain. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to watch stuff that makes me think as well as laugh. I think that's why comedy is important. Yeah, yeah. I know that wasn't your question, but that was my answer.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely agree that's why it's important because as you said sometimes things on the screen aren't as funny as actually real life Mm.
1: and the great thing about live stuff is it can and often does go wrong if you're watching a film and I watch films as well I'm not having a go at films if you're watching a film it doesn't go wrong does it because they've polished it and polished it and polished it there are no mistakes in a Netflix movie there are no mistakes in a Disney film right but if you're watching live stuff things can go wrong People can forget their words, props can break and comedians can get lost and people can, can heckle. I can be doing a show and I can ask somebody on the front row a question and they can come up with something I've never heard before. And suddenly the show is different because of what the person on the front row said. And it changes and then everybody knows I'm making it up as I'm going along. And that is quite dangerous because you don't know what I'm going to say next. And then you start thinking, does he know what he's doing? Is he in control? What's going on here? And that excitement, I think, makes it all even funnier. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think
1: that's how it works anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. I've heard in radio, sometimes they do make mistakes because it's live, mm. but then they turn it into something funny and then yes. they just make a joke about it. So,
1: And that's usually funnier, isn't yeah. it? That's usually funnier than what they were trying to do. So, yes. Mm. When I first started going around schools, I was only like 21 when I started, and I was in a school once. And I'd finished. I'd, I had an hour of stories and stuff. I did my hour and I was just finishing off. And one of the teachers stood up and she said, uh, I, I'm really sorry, James, but we thought you were going to do two hours this afternoon. And I said, like, oh, OK. I didn't know that. But I'd done all of my prepared stuff. And so I, I just made it up for the second hour. I just made things up. And the second hour was better than the first hour. So I then learnt that I'm usually at my best if I'm making stuff up. I still do loads of things that I've prepared and done before. And often I do things that I've done before, but I pretend that I'm making it up as I go along. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting art form. I have done comedy for grown-ups, but I much prefer doing it for children.
0: Yeah, so basically you're just doing it spontaneously. You
1: sort of, yes. When I am, that's when it's my best, I think.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think that definitely does work because, yeah, people just laugh quite a lot more. When I'm actually saying some of the questions, let's say, and there's this sort of different sort of flow and I don't know what I'm saying. And I'm just saying, make it up on the spot and then.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, it's important to prepare. I think it's important to have a plan and your questions are really good. And the way that you talk and deliver your questions is really good. But your follow up questions, which you're making up as you're going along, those tend to be. Even more interesting.
0: Oh, thank you. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, with COVID and lockdowns, theatres have been shut, so stand up comedians like you haven't been able to perform in person. Do you think mm. virtual comedy is the same?
1: Well, I've seen lots of sort of grown up comedians do comedy clubs online, and if you can't do anything else, then why not? But it's not the same as being in the same room as people. Uh, like I said earlier, it's this sort of animal thing of people showing each other that they get the joke i don't think you get that on the computer i did a an online tv show called the accidental show which was basically like a live chat show for the kids and that was on zoom and the great thing about that was one i wouldn't have thought of doing it if it wasn't for lockdown and two i think if i wrote to cbbc and said could i do a live comedy show in which i interview loads of children's authors and illustrators and stuff and we don't really have a plan and we just go along by accident and see what happens they would say no no we're not doing that James uh, but the great thing about the internet and zoom is I was able to just make it happen anyway I just phoned up some of my friends and said can we do this and people went yes let's do that so I had lots of fun with that the great thing about that is I could have guests on the show who are in different parts of the country and different parts of the world so it does mean that you can bring people together without them actually leaving their house but it's not as good as being in the same room
0: Mm, yeah kind of the opposite for me because on on the screen right now I get more relaxed and sort of with it but when we actually meet that person in person I sometimes feel quite a lot more nervous or shy I'm actually Mm. there
1: yeah so on the one side it gives you a not something to hide behind, but there's a separation there so you can be more relaxed because you know that you're not in the same room as me. But maybe it also means that you're not as involved. By the way, what you just said there is not on your list of questions. And that's the most interesting thing I've heard you say. It's wonderful.
0: Thank okay. <laughs> you. Mm.
1: Um, I think also people who are non-neurotypical. I've got lots of friends who are autistic. My oldest son is autistic and I've got friends with ADHD as well. And a lot of them say that they would rather be doing this than be in a actual meeting with people. This is easier to cope with if your brain's a little bit different from the typical yeah. brain. So that's interesting as well, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm.
0: I hear that you drive an electric car and so are already thinking about the future? What do you think is the future funny, say in 10 years' time?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I, yeah, I do have an electric car. And also I know that having an electric car isn't the answer because my car still costs lots and lots of water to make and is full of plastic and all the rest of it. And I know that, that you know, rubber coming off the tires, microplastics, and every time I brake, brake dust goes into the atmosphere. So having an electric car isn't, doesn't mean I can do what I like, but I am also living off grids. So all of my electricity comes from solar or wind. All of my heat comes from woods, which comes from an apple orchard down the road. So it's all stuff that was coming off anyway. I do worry about the planet and what's going to happen. So I think in 10 years time, I don't know whether people will be worried about comedy clubs. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully going to a comedy club or a theatre or a festival will be the sort of thing you do after a good day of doing sustainable things. You know, I think we all need to be out there planting trees and, and clearing beaches and learning how to fit solar panels and, and things like that. So we all need to be doing these these things. Yeah. I don't see a lot of movement in anybody doing that yet. Just a few eccentric people like me over the last year. I just thought i will just experiment, just see well, how little. How little do you actually need to live and it turns out that you don't really need, need a lot i've just taken over stewardship is the word i'm looking for because i don't own it and i don't want to own it but i've just taken over i'm looking after a three acre field which at the moment is three acres of thistles and the person that owned it didn't know what to do with it and so i'm going to slowly turn it into a kind of a food forest where you've got apple trees and fruit bushes and and everything's edible. So I think everyone needs to be doing more things like that. And I'm happy to be at the edge of things. And most people would go, I couldn't live like that, or I couldn't do that.
0: Well, that's very impressive. I think it's a good idea.
1: I, I built a compost toilet.
0: I've used one of those at forest school, yeah.
1: So all of my waste goes back into the system, back into compost. Nothing leaves, is the theory. But yeah, I'm still working on it, though. I'm definitely not perfect. I think if everybody just works out where they are and then moves along a bit, then that might be a good idea. And for some people, that might just be a question of, you know, only flushing the toilet every other time you go to the loo. Or it might mean getting the bus more than driving. Or it might mean eating less meat. I don't know. Everybody can do something, can't they? I think it's really important that we do.
0: Yeah. I always talk about little superheroes working together to make a big change to our planet
1: because yeah we have to do something otherwise in 10 years time I don't think the priority will be uh, will be going to to a comedy club or a festival who knows what will happen
0: yeah at the moment loads of people like you said on news they're always talking about the environment and I'm just Mm. like why don't we do all this stuff and then people actually are doing it but not everybody because some people don't really actually care about the environment I just Mm. think we should deal with that really and just Yeah. I think we should all be more like you.
1: Yes, it's probably not for everyone.
0: I'm hoping to come and see you in your stand-up show in Can you tell my listeners where they can find out about your shows?
1: Yeah. Well, if you go to my website, which is thejamescampbell.com, thejamescampbell.com, then it's all on there. And if you want to find out more about what I'm doing, then if you just send us an email, there's an email there and I'll stick you on the mailing list. Then you'll find out about new books and shows and stuff. And do you want to know, can I tell you last thing, uh, what I'm writing at the moment? So I'm writing the funny life of saving the planet, which is one of the reasons that I'm doing all these crazy things, you see. So I'm trying to uh, write about it at the same time. So that will hopefully come out in 2023 or maybe 2024. Depends. And hopefully by then the planet will still be here to be saved. So that's what I'm working on at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. That sounds great. I'll definitely look for those on your website.
1: I'm really pleased that you're going to come along to my show in Bedford and we'll have to go and have a milkshake afterwards or something. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely.
0: Thank you so much for talking to me, today and I've really enjoyed it. And um, my favourite bit was when we talked about your jobs.
1: And- Good stuff. Maybe I should start adding farmer into my list as well or climate activists thanks i'll i'll have a look at that and i'll i'll adjust it for next time
0: i'm really looking forward to come to your show and yeah definitely take a look at some of your books before then
1: jack it's been an absolute privilege to be on your podcast i've really enjoyed it and i think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful so more power to you
0: cool thank you it's
1: really nice to meet you i'll see you in bedford it's not a phrase i've said before (laughs) bye bye
0: bye this week's episode has been a lot of fun. I've laughed a lot and so has my mum. And I must be honest, at times I really didn't know what to say. <laughs> James's humour is so contagious and I left the interview feeling so happy. Laughter really is the best medicine. Like with everything, we don't really know what the future of comedy may look like. But I think I agree with James that jokes just really aren't that funny anymore. Although I do get that they help us learn how our jokes work and actually children i think they're helpful because we can learn that words have more than one meaning and that's why we can make them funny sometimes this isn't a funny joke but i do like it and it is a good example of what i have just said I don't trust atoms; they make up everything get it that's all we've got time for today thanks for listening join me next time for another exciting episode of jack to the future